This morning, in this upper room, we begin a series of short studies on the book of Revelation. As the late Secretary of State John Foster Dulles lay in his bed in Walter Reed Army Hospital, suffering from the illness which took his life, he was cheered again and again by a special song sung through a recording made for him by the choir of the Union Theological Seminary. This was his favorite hymn. Listen. Through the night of doubt and sorrow onward goes the pilgrim band singing songs of expectation marching to the promised land. Clear before us through the darkness gleams and burns the guiding light. Brother clasps the hand of brother, stepping fearless through the night. I thank God for the light on the road ahead, dear friends. Without that light, everything in the future is dark and uncertain. But with this light, we know what's ahead and know how to get ready for it. Let us look where the light shines, what do you say? And let us step where the light shines. Let us walk in the light and keep up with the opening providences of God. Now, God thinks it's so important that you and I understand what's ahead, that he had his special angel, the angel Gabriel, Come to dear John, there on the Isle of Patmos, that John might write down what the angel brought from heaven, and that we might know what's ahead. Let us read Revelation, the first chapter, beginning with the first verse. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. You notice that this revelation comes directly from the Godhead. From the Father and the Son comes the light for the church. You notice it is brought by the angel, his angel, Christ's special angel. And you notice that John has borne record of it. That is, he wrote it down. But it is for us. The first verse says the purpose is to show to God's servants the things which must shortly come to pass. And so there is a special blessing upon the reading and study of this book, according to the third verse. And there is. In the book Great Controversy, page 341, we have a wonderful comment on this, on this book, the reading of it, which I call your attention to Blessed is he that readeth 
And they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein. Yes, as the result of reading and studying this book, we shall find some things to do, some commands to keep, some warnings to heed. Blessed are they that hear and read and do what is found in this wonderful book. Now, in the book Testimonies to Ministers, page 114, I read, The Lord will bless all who will seek humbly and meekly to understand that which is revealed in the Revelation. This book contains so much that is large with immortality and full of glory that all who read and search it earnestly receive the blessing to those that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein. If you were the devil, what would you do about it? Well, I'll tell you what he's done, friends. The very book that is designed to focus in a special way upon the problems of this last generation, that book, he has made the objects of his, uh, the object of his attack. And he has persuaded millions of people that this is a sealed book, not to be understood, not to be especially studied. This shows what a wily foe we have. But foreseeing that effort of Satan, God plainly put on the last page of the Bible this statement from the angel, the 22nd chapter of Revelation in the 10th verse. He saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Isn't it amazing that the devil would have the audacity to state that this book is sealed when it is the very book that God said not to seal Thus we see, friends, that if we are going to get the blessing, we shall have to disregard all the ideas of Satan that he puts before the people through human voices, human books. We need to fill our minds with the wonderful truths that God has given us in this last book of the Scripture. Thus, we shall receive a wonderful blessing as we contemplate the scenes ahead. Now, there are many, many things in the book of Revelation, and we shall not have time in this short series to go over them all, not even to mention them all. We shall not have time to look at all the chapters. What shall we do then? We're going to study the great theme of the book of Revelation. And what is that great theme? It is the controversy between Christ and Satan, especially as it focuses in the last great conflict down here at the end of time. That's the great theme of the book of Revelation. And in this book, we have delineated under various symbols the opposing armies in that great war. To become familiar with those symbols and through the symbols to understand better the movements of Satan and his hosts and God and his army. Oh, that this may be our experience, dear friends. 
And as we do it, we shall, of course, be looking earnestly, I trust, for light on our own experience, light on the experience that we must have in order to stand with God through the times ahead. In this book, Great Controversy 341, you notice at the bottom of the page, after speaking of this blessing in studying the book of Revelation, it says that this instruction is concerning events to take place at the close of this world's history. To John were opened scenes of deep and thrilling interest in the experience of the church. He saw the position, dangers, conflicts, and final deliverance of the people of God. He records the closing messages which are to ripen the harvest of the earth, either as sheaves for the heavenly garner or as faggots for the fires of destruction. Subjects of vast importance were revealed to him, especially for the last church. Oh, do you get that? Who are these revelations especially for? The last church. Oh, that we may share in the glories of those revelations. Subjects of vast importance were revealed to him, especially for the last church that those who should turn from error to truth might be instructed concerning the perils and conflicts before them. Are there conflicts ahead of his friends? Are we to know them? Are we to be prepared for them? Yes. None need be in darkness in regard to what is coming upon the earth. Thank the Lord. Through the night of doubt and sorrow onward goes the pilgrim band singing songs of expectation, marching to the promised land. Clear before us through the darkness gleams and burns the guiding light. Brother clasps the hand of brother, stepping fearless through the night. Ah, my friends, there is a courage and a confidence that comes when we see clearly the road ahead that can never be ours if we stumble along in the darkness. And so, with expectation, we turn to this book of Revelation to get the light on the coming conflict. Now there are several scriptures that speak directly and specifically of that coming conflict. For example, Revelation, the 12th chapter, and the 17th verse. You all know that text. Will you say it with me? And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now we often study this text to get the distinguishing marks of the true church, and that it brings to view very clearly. But the subject of the text is this, the dragon doing what? Making war on whom? The woman and her seed, the remnant of her seed, that's the subject of it. The dragon goes to make war against the remnant people of God. And this scripture is applied in the book Great Controversy, page 592, the last sentence, to the soon coming conflict. 
That's where this text applies. In the soon coming conflict, we shall see exemplified the prophet's words, the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Again, Revelation the 17th chapter and the 14th verse. Here's another view of this war ahead. Revelation 17:14. These, speaking of the kings of the earth, with their power, their armies, their resources, these shall make war with the Lamb. And the Lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. You notice that the powers of earth are united against the Lamb. It's a war against God. You notice that Jesus has some with him that are called and chosen and faithful. And who's going to win in this war? Oh, the Lamb will win and those who are with him. Never any doubt about the issue of the conflict. Never any question about who's going to be victorious. Jesus will win. And thank God, friends, if we stand with him, we too shall win. Aren't you glad? Yes. Revelation, the 19th chapter and the 19th verse. Still another view of this soon coming conflict. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. Here's the beast. Who's that? Well, we shall see. But the beast and the kings of the earth and his armies are gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. Who's the one that sits on the horse? The 11th verse. And I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. Who's this? Jesus. Jesus. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. So you see, friends, on one side there is a demon war inspired from beneath in an attack on God and his people. And answering that from the heights of heaven is a righteous war in which Jesus himself leads and all the armies of heaven follow. For it says in the 14th verse, And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. There you have it, friends. The lines are drawn. Again, let us go to the 16th chapter of Revelation. And verses 13 and 14. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils, working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Ah, yes, here they come. Inspired by demons, they come. The minions of this wicked world. They come. Oh, they come. What for? To fight against God. Now you notice. 
notice these three symbols here. These three great powers. The dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. This triumvirate of iniquity that form this confederacy of evil against God and his people. What do those symbols represent? Who and what is the dragon, the beast, the false prophet? We need to clearly understand these things. Let me call your attention to a statement here in the book Testimonies to Ministers, page 118. By a variety of images, the Lord Jesus represented to John the wicked character and seductive influence of those who have been distinguished for their persecution of God's people. By what? A variety of images. By a variety of images, the Lord Jesus represented to John the wicked character and seductive influence of those who have been distinguished for their persecution of God's people. Now watch. All need wisdom carefully to search out the mystery of iniquity that figures so largely in the winding up of this earth's history. What is it that's going to figure largely in the winding up of this earth's history? The mystery of iniquity. And you and I, it says, need wisdom carefully to search out that mystery of iniquity. Is it brought to view in the 12th chapter of Revelation? Yes. Is it brought to view in the 13th chapter of Revelation? Yes. Is it brought to view in the 14th chapter? Yes. And the 15th and 16th? Yes. And the 17th and the 18th and the 19th? Yes, my friends. The very heart of the book of Revelation is a delineation through various symbols of this mystery of iniquity which figures so largely in the winding up of this earth's history. And you and I need wisdom to do what? Carefully to search out that mystery of iniquity. We need to know what is in those wonderful chapters in Revelation that put the searchlight of prophecy upon the devil. You know, this morning, as I walked down here, to this chapel in the darkness. I had my flashlight. And as I crossed the little stream, I heard something. And I turned the flashlight on it, and what do you suppose it was? A skunk. That's right. A skunk. Was I glad I had a flashlight? Oh, yes. And I watched him as he ambled up the bank and on over the pasture and out into the woods. I tell you, friends, I thank God we've got a searchlight to put upon the dragon and the beast and the false prophet. Aren't you, friends? Yes, it means so much to have a light that shows exactly where they came from and where they're going, and shall I say, and keep out of their way. Yes. Oh, that God may bless us with an understanding of the wonderful truths that he has given us. Now, may I at this point drop this word of caution? <clears throat> you know, when we study this book of Revelation, I suppose that in some minds an expectation is raised. Now we're going to find out some of those questions that we've always wanted to know. Well, 
If the questions we've always wanted to know are the things we need to know, we'll find them out, friend. But uh, there are a great many things that I don't know about Revelation. There are many things in this book, friends, that are not as clear as you and I might wish they were. But you know what I noticed coming along the road this morning with a flashlight? I noticed that the clearest thing that stood out was the road ahead. Do you know why it was? Because that's where I focused the flashlight. And when our Heavenly Father focuses the flashlight, the searchlight of prophecy for His church, watch this point. He focuses it on the road ahead, the place where we're to walk, and there are many things out in the darkness on either side, many things in the twilight zone in between that we might like to know and understand, that our curiosity naturally leads us to think about. Many things there that are not so plain, perhaps not plain at all. But if we'll keep our eyes focused where the light is clearest, we shall see what God wants us to see and especially we shall find where our duties are. What do you say we do that, friend? Let us study then most earnestly the things which are clearest. And as we do that, we shall avoid idle speculations that the world is so full of today and that creep into the church. Human ideas and speculations regarding this and that. Oh, I'm sure that in the study of this book, we need to remember the rule that Peter lays down when he speaks of prophecy as a great light, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. Second Peter, the first chapter and the 20th verse. And so, as we give heed to the light of prophecy and focus our minds where the light is focused, we shall have clear vision concerning the things that we need to know. Now we have spoken of the great powers of earth inspired by the devil that are lining up even now and will finally in a great confederacy oppose God and his people. But now for a few moments, I would like to turn away from all that terrible picture of demon-inspired persecution. And I would like to have us think of the winning side, heaven's side. You remember in that first text we read on the battle in Revelation 12, 17, <coughs> the dragon was wroth with whom? The woman. And went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. As far as this world is concerned, then, the army is composed of the woman and her seed. And I submit, friends, that a woman and her children would not seem to be very much of an army to meet all the kings of this earth and their armies opposing them, especially when they're backed by the devil and all his angels. But Afre... Things are not always as they appear. 
And that woman and her children are backed by all the power of the universe. The land, with all the armies of heaven, is behind that woman. <coughs> Who does that woman represent? The church. God's church. And who is who are that seed? Her children. And if you and I have found the Lamb and stand with him, then we're on the winning side. If you and I have found that woman, that true church, and we're part of her children, oh, then, friends, we're on the winning side. If we stay, if we remain, I pray, God, we all shall, that we shall not be shaken out, that we shall not be sifted out, but when, that when the army of God on earth and in heaven join together in that grand review before the throne, we shall be there with the Lamb on Mount Zion, having the hearts of God. It'll be a wonderful experience, won't it? You know, the one who heads this army, as we have seen, is repeatedly spoken of in the book of Revelation as the Lamb the Lamb. Over a score of times that title is applied to Christ in this book of Revelation. In our closing moments this morning of this first study, I would like to take you to the fifth chapter of Revelation. And there I would like to have you get the first view of the Lamb in this great book of Revelation. Volume 9, page 267 says, the fifth chapter of Revelation needs to be closely studied. It is of great importance to those who shall act a part in the work of God for these last days. So, in this fifth chapter of Revelation, what do we find? Ah, we find a view of the throne of God. We see the king of the universe seated there with a book in his hand. We hear a strong angel proclaiming who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. But as the prophet looks, there is nobody in heaven or earth that can open that book. And he weeps because he longs to see what's within that sealed book. But ah, one of the elders comes and touches him and says, John, don't weep. The Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And John turns to see that Lion of Judah open that book. And what does he see? Ah, the sixth verse says, I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain. This is the first view of the Lamb, the introduction of the Lamb in this book of Revelation. There he stands, my friends, in the presence of God, the great central object of view in all the universe, a Lamb, as it had been slain. Oh, friends, there is much to study there. I bring it to your attention this morning. There's the great central picture in the whole book of Revelation. Jesus, the Lamb of God. <coughs> Thou dying Lamb, thy precious blood, 
shall never lose its power till all the ransomed church of God are saved to sin no more. There is where heaven is thrilled with love and longing. Here is where the church of earth gathers its inspiration for its closing conflict, seeing the love and sacrifice of Jesus as he poured out his life on Calvary and as he ministers that precious blood in the sanctuary above. Oh, it stirs every heart, every heart in the remnant people to do everything possible to satisfy the heart longings of the Son of God. Shall we join in that, my friends? Shall we send him the word this morning that we're heart to heart with him in his longing for a clean universe? Shall we? Let's raise our hands.